Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. Welcome to this week's edition of the Talk On Podcast, brought to you by thefootballpurist.com. I'm your host this week, Brian Painter, taking over for Joey Vishny, who is tied up down at the police department filing missing persons reports for the entire Arsenal starting 11. Beyond the absolute thrashing we gave Arsenal at the weekend, we'll also be covering what has been a pretty historic day in the transfer market and what promises to be a crazy next three days of transfer activity for the Reds. To help me get through all of this goodness, I'm joined this week by Stephen Luna. What's up, Luna? Hey, man. Great to be back, uh, especially after a game like that. So excited to chat some footy with you guys. You're holding, you're holding firm down there in, uh, in, mid, in southern Texas? Everything okay yeah. with you and, the, you and the crew down there? Yeah, I mean, Houston's uh, underwater. You'll need a submarine to get around, but uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're a few hours north of there, so nothing too bad here. Fantastic. We're also joined by Jeff Hallett out on the left coast. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, uh, turning left every which way. It makes it really <laughs> difficult to get around. It's not like New Jersey. Uh, right turns, actually. So doing great. Glad to be back. And our very own Midtown Manhattan, Tyler Vinyl. Tyler, what's going on in Midtown tonight, buddy? What's going on, fellas? Uh, nothing too exciting. Lots of people screaming in Times Square just as every night. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, well, before we get into it, I just want to give everybody a reminder that we have moved our podcast to our own channel on iTunes. You can download it at the Football Purist Talk On on iTunes. So get out there today, download uh, the new channel, um, and uh, keep up with uh, what's going on with the Talk On crew. Okay, lads, uh, I thought about doing an opening question, but I decided to bin it because, let's be honest, no one gives a shit about us talking about some random questions that have nothing to do with Liverpool bashing Arsenal or us signing boss players. So let's get stuck right into... <laughs> <laughs> Poor Joey. <laughs> uh, sorry about that, Joe, but uh, so let's get right... Yeah, so let's get right into the to Liverpool for Arsenal Zero. I have to be honest, it's, it was an amazing result. Um, I think 4-0 really flatters Arsenal. Uh, it could have been, it should have been, frankly, a much heavier defeat for, for Arsenal. Um, some quick stats just to tell you the magnitude of, of, of the day. Uh, Arsenal's heaviest defeat in the Premier League uh, since Southampton back on Boxing Day in 2005. Four of Arsenal's eight Premier League defeats of four plus goals or more have come at Anfield. Um, Arsenal did not attempt a single shot on target the entire match. Liverpool had 10, just to give you some perspective. Uh, This one kind of, this that kind of threw me when I read it because I I didn't think see this one coming, but Liverpool have kept four clean sheets in a row at Anfield. uh, And that's the first time that's happened since September of 2013. Bobby Firmino has scored and assisted in a game on eight occasions. Uh, no other player has has done this more often since August of 2015. And our very own Sadio Mane is only the third player to score in the first three Premier League games of a season. Uh, the only other two Reds to do it, Robbie Fowler in 94-95 and Daniel Sturge in, of course, 13-14. So with that, um, I'm going to flip it over to Tyler. Uh, Tyler, what did you think of uh, Arsenal uh, in the initial uh, drubbing that they got at Anfield? I mean, it, within five minutes, you know, I think Emery had that opportunity. Nice, some nice interplay at the top of the box. Crossed us a lot. Who, you know, who knows how he didn't finish that. But they were just defeated, dragging all over the place. It was shocking from them. It was horrible. I mean, how did, by the way, how did Salah not score that yeah, goal? Come on, I mean. <laughs> the only time he ever tries to use his right foot, he puts it right into Czech's chest. I mean, Czech did well to get across for it, but I mean, I was like, come on. And I, I, I when that happened, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, Jeff, what did you think? What did you make of the match? First few minutes spent sort of sorting each other out, but wow, that attack started quickly. Multiple missed chances, then Bobby's header at the 17th minute. I mean, the route was really on at that point. You could argue even earlier than that with some missed chances, the breakaways that didn't pan out for Salah or Mane. Arsenal just started to go ablaze in the wrong direction. Just It felt like not a single player of their 11 really deserved to have the shirt on, didn't bring it that day. and 
Liverpool lit him up. I mean, left and right flanks equally. Both Salah and Mane had had a day. And, you know, with the number of breakaways that we're starting to see, the kind of goals that we're going to see, you know, they're going to develop tactics to get around the goalies or chip chip balls in here and there. It's going to be a great season so long as they stay in shape and and avoid injury. So pretty excited about it. Yeah, you have to be. And Luna, uh, Jeff mentioned some some key points there, uh, namely, you know, the overall Arsenal team looked defeated before they even stepped on the field, and then um, the the pace at which we broke on them was just phenomenal. I mean, Mane had uh, holding on toast all game long. <laughs> of course, he's probably going to do that to most uh, right backs in the league, but. Um, what were your initial thoughts after uh, after you witnessed that beatdown? I mean, honestly, I think it was a a perfect team performance. Um, maybe perfect's being a little generous, um, but I mean, front to back, the team looked incredible. I mean, the attack, no one can argue against our attack. It's probably the most exciting, and will be the most exciting throughout the rest of the season in the entire Premier League. Um, but you know, overall, even the defense, the, you know, Gomez had some great blocks. Um, I thought despite getting early yellows from, uh, for Gomez and Lovren, they, they saw the game out and did well. Um, and Arsenal, I mean, how the mighty have fallen. It's so sad to see, um, I mean, I guess as as a Liverpool fan, it's not that sad, but you know, Arsenal (laughs) said, Arsenal is such a well-respected club uh, throughout the world. They have some amazing players. You you look at the players like Sanchez and Ozil and, um, you know. Don't get me started Pe- on Ozil. Peter Cech. Uh, well-known, world-class players that, that just didn't show up. I mean, I would say the only player that showed up to even remotely play was was Cech in goal. And, and that was more out of necessity because if he weren't in net, uh, I mean, it—, it Easily could have been seven, eight, no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of mentioned uh, it in the opening there. I, I felt that we should have been four O winners at, at a minimum, and you know we should have had probably at least two or three more. Uh, you know, you mentioned the solemn uh, save that Czech pulled off. Uh, he made another one. Uh, I forget who was through on goal. Uh, and then he made the he he made the he made Henderson push it wide. I mean, there was a lot of different opportunities for us. But let me ask you guys something: How bad is Arsenal with that many top players? I mean, they've given up the second most goals in the first three matches of the season. The only team that's given up more goals is West Ham, and we know what kind of dumpster fire West Ham are right now. So. I mean, playing three at the back against that front three is absolutely suicide. I mean, what was he thinking, Jeff? What was Arsene Wenger thinking? And what were, you know, what were the Arsenal players thinking when when you line up that way? And then just how do you come out so abject against one of your top rivals for uh, for Champions League? Well, I think the real point, it's clear for anybody on that pitch. It's like goes back a couple seasons. Arsenal's been starting to spin you know, Wenger has had a masterful 20 years. He's had a lot of accomplishments, but you you can see clearly the guys at the end of his influence. And I think Kroenke, the owner, has taken advantage of that, taken advantage of, you know, Wenger's weakness at this point to develop and to do it at lower cost, you know, kind of break the economic model. While the league has changed around him, all the money from the Middle East to the Sheikhs and whatnot, I mean, Russia... It's changed the league, and it's especially if you're going to maintain a top four, type five finish in the Premier League, you got to have the money to do it. And they just haven't invested year after year, and I think it's starting to catch up with them. And I think he's clearly losing it in the dressing room. So, you know, you got Sanchez sitting, he handed in his transfer request today, and was caught doing another smirk on camera on the bench. Pretty terrible. I saw that. That was great. Ozil. Um, I mean, how much time do you want to spend on Ozil? Was he on another planet? Looks like an alien. Like, was he really at Anfield that day? I don't think Arsenal fans are still crying about that one. Don't know where he was. And then you, you talked about the center backs, the three in the back. Keeping such a high line with Liverpool is suicide at this point. And 
whether it was Wenger sticking to what he knows and sticking with the model, that's just it. It's going to be it for the rest of the season or what. I Arsenal fans are solemnly and some just in a <laughs> fit of depression, like don't know how to explain what they saw. And I can't either. No, I, speaking of can't believe what I saw, Tyler, I want to spend a little time uh, going over the three at the back that they lined up against against Liverpool. I mean, it really shows you how inept Arsene Wenger has become. There is no nothing sane about putting three players against those three for Liverpool. You know what Liverpool is going to come do. They do it every game. They come on the counter. I mean, what was your take on on how Arsenal set up and, and the fact that they matched up man for man against uh, Mane, Firmino, and Salah? Honestly, at first, until we saw how positionally they laid out. I didn't think it was the worst strategy that, you know, he could have employed. I was actually expecting, and you've got Hector Bellerin, you've got, he started, I think he started Ox as the left wing back. Yep. Those players have the pace, uh, not to necessarily keep up with Mane and Salah, but if they're tracking and they're playing their position, it makes it a lot easier on the three slower center backs who are kind of sitting in there and, you know, figuring out, sort of dealing with it on a, on a secondary level rather than being primarily responsible for chasing two of the quickest players in the Premier League, but almost immediately um, those two were caught out of position. Ox isn't really a wing back and particularly was odd to see him on the left side. And Bellerin's more used to being, you know, a right back and a flat back four. They were caught out of position a lot and they weren't helping those three. And I think, you know, whether it's strategic, I can't imagine that, you know, (laughs) I don't, you have to think when they set up that way, there's no way that Wanger looks at that team and says, yeah, sure. Holding and keep pace with money. That's a good idea. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think, I think craziness, it's right. It, it's a, it's a combination of things. It's possibly bad setup, bad drilling by the players. Clearly they didn't understand the roles out there and it just ended a shit show. You know, these, these guys were all torn out of sorts. They had no idea who was guarding, who was defending, who, who was following, who, <laughs> and you know, you're playing a high high line with only three at the back, three center backs, and allowing Mane. There must have been four clean breakaways with players in on goal. I mean, Chuck. I mean the the one the one that stands out to me is the 12 seconds from when Arsenal takes that corner kick um, to when Salah's tucking it in the back of the net. Their last defender was halfway up or halfway into our own half when Salah took it off him. I mean, and he was the last man in defense and it's like, okay, great. What do we do now? Like that was, right. that was just insane. I know they were pushing to get uh, back in the match and stuff like that, but I, I just can't believe that he was their last man in defense and he was sitting that high up the field. Um, <clears throat> but Luna, I'm going to come over to you and and get off the back line a little bit and talk a little bit about, there, how Arsenal came at us a little bit. I mean, I looked at Welbeck. What do you mean? They didn't come at us. <laughs> they tried to. They, they did. They did. <laughs> they certainly did, um, or did not. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the selection of Welbeck over a 50 uh, million pound player in Lacazette. <laughs> like I don't. This is the I funny. Was... This is the funny part of the pod, right? You just yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, here's my question. Yeah. Jeff kind of brought it up. You know, Arsenal's not spending the kind of money to keep up. Is that on on Arson or is that on the owners? And yes. regardless, I mean, some of the decisions Arson's making it, it just doesn't make make sense. I mean, the, Welbeck is a perfect example. How do you choose Danny Welbeck against Liverpool, who's on, been on and off the field with injuries and? really hasn't done much i mean that's that's why you know he left united it it's it doesn't make sense you you just bring in lacazette you have Giroud sitting on the bench <laughs> that's another one i didn't even think about <laughs> I, I i mean those guys are are, are are way higher talent players than welbeck um it, it just doesn't make sense i mean i i, I look at sanchez too uh very similar situation that Arsenal's in with us uh, and Coutinho. Uh, both had been refusing to play. Sanchez decides, you know, I'm I'm going to come back. But he had a horrible game. He had 69% pass accuracy. He only had one chance created, zero shots. 
and for someone who who just ran that team last year, that is not a performance that you expect. Everyone's talking about Otil and how poor he was, and yeah, you know, he for someone who's considered quote unquote world class, the types of performances you expect out of a player like that are to take the game by the scruff of the neck and and make a change. And and he was just absent. But uh, to me, Sanchez had a much worse game. Uh, his heart's not there, and it, it makes me wonder, you know, if, if Phil is coming back into the side, if, in fact, we do hold on to him, you know, it, are those the types of performances that we're going to see? Uh, because if that's the case, I, sell him. Uh, I, I don't want to get into that topic, but... <laughs> Phil, I, I know it's, Phil Chase is like going to resume the pod somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we're going there at some point, right? <laughs> I, I don't want to jump into it, but, I mean... I think Sanchez is a is a great example of, of what you know if if we're forcing Phil back into the side before he's I guess ready to perform I I'd, I'd rather have the attack that we have I wouldn't take that, anyone out especially after a performance like that That sounds like a different situation though because everyone on that Arsenal squad was looking terrible yesterday and sure he's a spark plug as your best player he should be a spark plug but everybody underperformed our offense absolutely. Is our offense is clicking. If it's just a matter of Coutinho coming in, we know he enjoys playing with Firmino and, and Mane. Well, you know, and, they already you know, have that. And, right. I mean, the thing, too, is if, if you're going to play with wingbacks, if you're going to have Bellerin and uh, Chamberlain pushing up the pitch, you've got to boss the midfield. And Arsenal lost every battle that they had in the midfield. Uh, you know, and I know we've slated Genie. I know we've slated Henderson over the last few weeks, but... Those two completely bossed it. John was again a firecracker. Yeah. I mean, all around. Our, I mean, front to back, we we completely dominated and owned the Gunners. That's a yeah, great lead-in. Oh, go ahead. Brazil's having nightmares. <laughs> that whole team is having nightmares. I mean, well, listen, guys. Enough about uh, enough about Arsenal shambles. Let's talk about something that uh, uh, that's not a shambles, which is this entire Liverpool side. You know, we're one goal in the 92nd minute away from having a perfect start to the season uh, at Watford. So um, this game was clearly the best performance of the bunch. Um, so we're going to take it back to front. Uh, we're going to start back at the at the goalie. Uh, Miggs was dropped, uh, which I thought everybody was shocked at before the game. I know I was. <laughs> Karius gets the start. Jeff, what did you make of uh, Minule's drop and then Carrius starting and then his overall performance? What do I make of the drop and maybe Liverpool Nation's reaction to it? I mean, it was yet sure. another, hey, let's <laughs> let's jump right out the nearest window. Let's freak the fuck out. <laughs> and Klopp's explanation after the game was pretty simple. He wants a strong stable of goalkeepers. He's going to need two at every position. Gerard knows what he's talking about when you're playing European football. You need two capable keepers at least out of that three. And don't know where Danny Ward's going to head if he's back on loan by the transfer window expiring. But you need a, a one and two that are confident that, you know, are showing their skills and can go in at any moment. So he needed to give that start to Karius. He chose that game to give it to him. Maybe he's looking at, you know, knew something about Arsenal's form coming in that we didn't all know <laughs> at the time of the kick. So... It was good. Well, speaking of, well, I was going to say, speaking of kicks, um, Karius on three separate occasions really, really made a mess of those out balls that he was trying to play. And I, I, I was like, what are you doing, son? Just you, get rid of the ball. You got it. Yeah. So he was caught. I had him caught twice in possession, but maybe it was three. But so that was the definite negative. He was too casual with the ball. And, you know, he yet another reason why he needs to get a Premier League start because it, the game moves at a different pace, even than Bundesliga. So good that he got it. He had two solid punches. Uh, distribution, what I, I thought was a plus over Minile. But, yeah, the, the negative, he needs to clean up. That, that negative should be an easy enough one to practice and get right. Kept a clean sheet, but hardly any work at the back. So, oh, he didn't but face you, one shot. He didn't face one shot on goal. So it's kind of yeah. it's kind of it's kind of tough to. He did have some nice punches, but it's kind of tough to make a judgment on on him as uh, in his performance based on the fact that he didn't face any shots. Well, and A's um, and A. So, <laughs> all right, we're gonna keep going because Migs, um, Carius, uh, there wasn't much to do and much to talk about in the back uh, for the goalkeeping unit, but uh, Tyler. 
coming to you on the back line. Joe Gomez comes in. You have Moreno on the left, and then the center back pairing of Matip and Lovren. What are your overall take on how we defended? Uh, you know, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that at some point we're probably going to be starting Joe Gomez in all four positions and across the back line. <laughs> uh, that that kid's good. He looked he looked great. He's like a new shit. signing. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he, uh, he looked good in possession. He had a little more speed than I was expecting getting up that right wing. He um, was cool with his passes. He had a couple of sloppy passes, but, you know, I thought he did well. Moreno actually kind of looks like a left back instead of a very confused left winger. And Lovren <laughs> didn't do anything absurdly bad. So, uh, I think overall they, they performed well. Matip was uh, commanding and calm. I thought he uh, he handled himself well. There was only one. Uh, there was that one chance that fell to Welbeck pretty early on, where he was tangled up with Lovren and put it over. Other than that, they weren't really challenged that much. But I thought, you know, I, I like seeing Gomez play. Uh, I'm interested to see where he actually ends up in the black back line. You know, what position he actually plays. Luna, uh, Tyler brings up a great point on Gomez. He came in at right back. Obviously, we've slated or, or slotted him as a center half for us. He looks the part, though, out there on the right wing. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought he had a phenomenal game. Um, two fantastic blocks. Um, and any any recorded assist for Mister Firmino. Uh, great ball in. I don't know that he's our permanent answer at right back, though. Um, you know, I, I think. It's Trent's and Klein's to battle for uh, once Klein's back fit. But, you know, I, I, I see Gomez. Hey, we've seen him on the left. We've seen him on the right. And he's performed incredibly well, uh, which is, is great to see. So in case, you know, we are in situations like this where we're having to <laughs> send out, what, 18, 19-year-olds into Champions League and, and into the Premier League that, they're up for the challenge, but I think long term, uh, if if we get those those positions filled at left and right back, then I see him as a center half, uh, challenging. I mean, <laughs> if if he's stronger on the ball and less calamitous as Lovren, I could see him taking Lovren's spot. Well, let's hopefully uh, we don't have to see that for a few years and we get our top center backs uh, signing done here in the next couple of days. But uh, I'm going to come back to our very own midfielder, Tyler. How did, how, overall, we, we had some concerns about the three of Hendo, Jeannie, and uh, Jean. You know, but this game, they were absolutely mustered. From All three of them were just phenomenal. Uh, so for our midfield perspective, let's, let's hear what your thoughts were, Tyler. Yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'm the first one to say that I'm eating my words here. They put me to they put me to shame. I, I've been saying all season and a lot of last season that I really don't think that Emery, Hendo, and uh, and Jeannie can play together. They're too reserved, too cautious. There's not enough, you know, link between attack and midfield when all three of them are out there, and they just absolutely lost it this time. How many times did Shen pick up the ball in our half and then dribble all the way up the field, you know, into the uh, – into Arsenal's defensive third and then lay it off and create an attack. I think at least two of our four goals were started with him. And then we also had uh, Grujic come in, you know, the future. Like I always say, he's a, <laughs> he, he's a talent. You know, I like seeing that. But I, I can't say a negative word about them. If the three of them can play like that, um, then our midfield's very, very good. Do you think, do you think it, it's more down to the fact that Shaka and Ramsey were in their central midfield uh, than it was to the three, of, the three of them, and we just were that much better than those two players for Arsenal central midfield? That, that was the big question that you know, everyone was talking about the, the morning afterwards. You know, what, what is it? Is Liverpool this good or were Arsenal that bad? And I think on the whole, Liverpool clicked. It was an excellent performance. In general, the team was that good. I think strategically, the two biggest things that Wenger got wrong were playing that weak two-man midfield. But, I mean, Ramsey can't handle against. They were bouncing off Emery. Emery was just literally just standing there with a the ball in front of him and no one could touch him there. You know, and Jaka was somewhere off in his own world. And, uh, you know, the three at the back, like we talked. So, you know, between well, those two things, if you can't hold the midfield and your defensive line's all out of whack, you're going to get trampled. And that's what happened. 
Yeah, speaking of Shaka being off in uh, La La Land, uh, that's probably because Jeannie put him on his ass a few times by, by smoking I him. Ask, I want to <laughs> ask him and Ramsey how the turf tasted, the new turf at Anfield, how's it taste? I mean, that, yeah, exactly, Luna. I'll come to you next because I thought I thought Jeannie, it was, in my opinion, it was his best game in a, in a red uniform. I thought he was absolutely sensational. They could not get the ball off of him. Uh, he put so many moves on on Shaka and Ramsey. I mean, he did have Shaka on his ass um, twice uh, in that match, and it was just a it was just fantastic to see. And I, I thought Genie struggled a bit in the in the beginning of the season. Uh, he looked he didn't look himself, and I thought this game he just absolutely kicked on, and as he normally does at home. But I I'm curious your take on it. Oh, I agree. I, you know, looking at last season, he scores the goal that's taken us to the Champions League, and we kind of all expected to see him step up a little more this season. And within the first th- few games, it was he was either off or he just something was off about him. He was disappearing. I wanted to call him Casper out there. Uh, just you know, he, <laughs> he you could you couldn't see him on the pitch. He wasn't involved. Um, like Vinyl said. He, it, it almost solidified the idea that he, John, and Hendo can't play together in the midfield. Um, but, I mean, what a different story this game was. He had <laughs> eight take-ons, all successful. Uh, the, the team altogether only had 18. So, you know, he's he, <laughs> he's taken almost half the take-ons wow. for this team. Um, and he was brilliant. I mean... The moves that he I, I did he almost looked like Lalana out there. Less Cruyffs, but the the movement on the ball, the movement off the ball, it, top to back, he was he was great. I, I thought he I, it was so hard to choose a man of the match for for this game because everyone performed so well. But I think he's certainly in contention for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought he was phenomenal on the day. Uh, Jeff, last man we haven't talked about our our good man Emre Jean. Um, he, again, Tyler mentioned it briefly. He, he was fantastic on the day. Uh, the, the pass that he did for Sala's, uh, first attempt in the, in the first part of the game was, was just that whole movement, the one, two he did. And then the pass across the front of the goal, Sala should have done better, much better with that and tucked it away. But, you know, what are your thoughts on John? And then subsequently, where does Phil Coutinho get minutes in this side right now when he comes back after uh, after the international break? Great questions, both. So starting off with the better of the two subjects, why don't we go with Jean? And this is a function of Klopp encouraging him to get more box-to-box, to be more a part of the tack, which he embraces. We'll see how it keeps up because these seasons, the amount of running can wear players down in a Klopp offense. So be watching for that. But right now it looks amazing. Uh, His cross to slot, to your point, was beautiful. You're going to see a lot more of that. I mean, he was involved. Uh, Hoffenheim, two goals. So he's getting more involved in the attack. He loves it. I, I think him being in a contract year, it's going to be the most important contract event in his career, arguably, at his age. So he's putting all the effort in. It's wonderful to see. I hope Liverpool retain his services because he ain't signing until summertime and it's going to be us versus the world. But, I mean, he's showing leadership. He's going box to box. He's defending. He's, you know, pushing the ball up for attack. He's that, you know, freight train we've always noticed from Jean and his play. Nothing but great things to to love about him. Uh, so for Coutinho coming back in, I mean, yeah, it's it, it'll be an interesting challenge for him when he comes back. It, we'll all see how great his form is with the national team because it is now revealed to the world that he was just sitting and waiting for that trip to Barcelona to the camp now, and that's hopefully not happening through the end of the month. And once we get that confirmation, it should be very interesting because you you do have competition. You've got Lana coming back from injury. You should be back by the November time frame. Maybe gets a few minutes before then. He's got the quality that should be in any any side. I mean, it's definition of being world class. I think his play that he showed last year especially deserves the minutes uh, if his fitness is there, and we're about to see it in the national team. Yeah. I, I... It'll be interesting to see what Klopp does and what the rotation is once Phil comes back into the side, knock on wood. Hopefully he 
we get through these next couple of days and he's still a Liverpool player because I'd love to see the little magician back in, uh, back in Liverpool red. But speaking of players that are in Liverpool red, um, what about that front line? Salah, Firmino and Mane. Uh, it was just scintillating to watch those, uh, those three attack and just ba- basically dismantle the entire Arsenal defense. Uh, you know, getting all three on the score sheet, uh, you know, Mane, has scored in all his appearances against Arsenal in a Liverpool jersey, which is exciting. So he obviously likes a goal against Arsenal. Um, Firmino had an assist on top of his goal. I mean, they're just absolutely the business. And then on top of that, Sturge comes in for a cameo and he gets a goal. <laughs> um, I don't think you could ask for a better performance from from Liverpool's frontline uh, players in this match. But Tyler, I'm going to come back over to you. Uh, give me your take on uh, on Salomone and uh, Firmino, and to a lesser extent, Danny Boy, because we know Danny we love Boy. a good Danny Boy. We know we love Danny Boy. <laughs> it was a great cameo, you know. It's like uh, that that brief moment is. Uh, I think it makes everybody happy. So everyone, as an as a Liverpool fan, you must all love seeing Danny score, right? Absolutely. Um, I was made. I was made up when he scored. To be honest with you, <laughs> for sure. So was I. Uh, you know, he works very hard. He's, he's coming past those injuries and i think his his role really he might be the perfect super sub i don't think he ever wanted to be that and i'm sure he won't be happy playing a bit part role but he there'll be no more dangerous second you know uh 12th man than daniel sturridge if he finds that role but i think it's going to be very hard for anyone to break into that front three and i think the biggest part is you know you said for you know had the assist as well so did salah and Mane could have had one or two assists if people put theirs away. And not only are they finishing, but they're all creating for each other. Those three, when they're on, like they were this weekend, they don't even need anybody else. You just get the ball up there, and the rest of the, you know, everybody else can kind of sit back, and they make things happen. Uh, look at Mane's goal, for example, where he cut in. You know, it was a great fast break. He got the ball out there quickly, but he pretty much did all of that by himself. You know, he cut in and curled oh, that yeah. thing past Petr Cech, one of the best goalies in the in the league in the world, and uh, that's not an easy thing to do. No, absolutely, and uh, you know, yeah, we do love a Danny goal, and that attack seems to be blistering right now. Um, Jeff, <clears throat> what are your thoughts on the the on our attacking three? Um, and then, you know, give me your perspective on on how you thought Sala is fitting in with, uh, cause he's only a couple games into his Liverpool career. Keep in mind. So you got to think the cohesion between those two, uh, between those three is only going to get better. You got it. And you know, his readjustment to the Premier league, it's been a few years for him in Syria. So I think the breakaways and the, you know, attempts that you would think are sitters for him that didn't come through. I think that's going to improve as the season goes on. And when it does like, Holy shit, this offense is lethal to begin with. You know, it'd be hard pressed not to pace the league in chances created and goals. So nothing but positive, so long as everybody stays healthy uh, among that that front three. And yeah, I mean, for fuck's sake, any four nil result uh, for Liverpool against a top six side that Arsenal's supposed to be supposed to be in the level of competition you would expect wasn't. I mean, the the attack is a huge portion of that, and. You know, Salah and Mane on the wings and Firmino doing it, all all of his high pressing, all of his extra work, plus the assists and plus the header. It's It was a beautiful day to be a Liverpool fan, and we're going to see more of it throughout the year and couldn't be more pleased. I mean, if you survived the 14-15 season and later, you remember what offense is, you know, what the absence of offense is like and how we had to, like, beg, borrow, and steal for a goal, even then wouldn't get it. I mean, this is a dream. Don't want to wake up. <laughs> Amen. Speaking of not waking up, um, we have to talk a little bit about Bobby Firmino um, and uh, just the complete number nine that he is becoming. He scores, he assists, he brings people in the – into the play he's he's just a phenomenal player and like i said in the beginning he's he's scored and assisted in eight occasions and that's the most in the premier league since he came into the league um luna what are your thoughts on bobby i know you're a big bobby supporter just like i am well if you could see me now i'm on my knees praising and bowing to him i he's i mean (laughs) he's 
he's incredible. Uh, you, you watch on Twitter, it's, you know, oh, Bobby's not good enough. He's not a proper number nine. Blah, 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 blah. Anyone who's still arguing that needs to just jump off a cliff. They're absolutely moronic. He is the the pivot point of our attack. He's the one getting involved in every goal, every play. I mean, how many assists has he had? He's, he's got to be involved in at least five goals uh, outside of scoring. It, He's he's our man, uh, and and it shows. Sturge can't get a game. He's coming in later in, and uh, thank God because I think Bobby deserves a bit of a rest. But I mean, he is he's he's almost Suarez esque, not as aggressive, not as insane. Did you um, notice? Did you notice the uh, did you notice the the hand thing he has on now? Yeah, that, that, yeah. that's very Suarez Suarez esque. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> But, yeah, I, I mean, you look at the player that we had in Suarez in, say, 13-14, uh, just chasing down every ball, wanted the ball every chance he got. Um, and while Bobby's not as mental, I guess, with the ball, uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's not going to score the same goals that Suarez does. Um, the, I think the one thing that, that Bobby has that Suarez didn't is – the ability to pick out players and and play in players that have the be- better opportunity. There are so many times I feel like we watch Suarez try and dribble through way too many guys when Sturge is wide open on the other flank and and ready to shoot the ball in. Um, and granted, it, it was an incredible season. It was a season full of goals. I think it was, what, the most goals we've ever scored in the Premier League season. Um, but, but Bobby has the vision... Um, and and the defensive track back that I don't think that we really saw in Suarez. So, um, it, w- what a player we have on our hands. He's coming into his prime. Lock him down. Um, uh, don't sign him to a five-year deal because apparently that's an uh, exit clause. So, <laughs> yeah. so but, me- uh, immediately immediately tr- triggers an exit clause. Um, that's. Uh, I wonder... Uh, there has been talk that we're going to lock him up to a long-term deal. Uh, this uh, that was one of the things uh, that was recently mentioned. I think a week well, ago. I, know, I think we should. I mean, this team is as exciting as thirteen and fourteen was. This this is a team that we are building a foundation on, and players that I think are going to change the face of Liverpool. You know, we've we've kind of been the laughing stock for the last twenty years, and while we've had our moments as a club, I think. 17-18 is going to be a whole new transition for Liverpool under Klopp with the players that we're signing. I mean, I know we're going to get into the transfer window a bit, but it's it's so exciting to see. And I, I'm, I think we need to lock down as many of these players as we can. Absolutely. And, and speaking of exciting times, I want to get your seed indexes for our indices for the week. Uh, I think that's the plural of index, but uh, in any event, this is where this is the part of the show where we talk about um, what got you out of your seat, and then uh, obviously anything that brought you back into your seat. Um, we'll jump over to Jeff first. Jeff, seat index for the week. Okay, uh, on the positive, I've got three. Uh, can never pick one. So uh, number one is a clean sheet. So period, the end, anytime that defense and four games in a row at, at Anfield, insane. That's right. Four, four clean sheets in a row. First time since so, September of 13, buddy. Right, right. So clean sheet, 4-0. Are you kidding me? That's, that's reason alone to jump up and down. But the, the coup de grace, the magnum opus, Keita in. <laughs> Not now, wow. but this time next year. And I know it had nothing to do with the game, but I was <laughs> – Flip it. I created a seat in my own place, and I, I was out of it. It was awesome. <laughs> my, wow, uh, we're not even talking Arsenal. Okay, well, let's right. move on then. <laughs> negative. My one negative is just, I mean, you said it, is Arsenal. Uh, the, the franchise, the ownership, the management, the players. I mean, piss poor result for them and their fans. I actually feel sorry for Jack. Yeah, yeah. We could also take that if, if you're looking at it from a Liverpool point of view as a positive seed index, but <laughs> <laughs> it had to be negative. Hey, so the, hey, there you yeah. have it. <laughs> well, listen. Anytime if Arsenal keeps sliding the way they they've been sliding, 
Um, you know, five teams going against five teams for four spots is always a better scenario than going against six teams for four spots. So I'm all for that. Luna, who do you got? Seed indexes for the week. Oh, um, I'm going to give it to Jeannie this week. Um, I, he's, Amen. he really, he really stepped it up. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, if, if we didn't have such a blistering attack, I think he would definitely be up there for man of the match. Um, I just hope we start seeing more, more of that throughout the season. As far as negative goes, uh, aside from Arsenal and their piss poor for performance, um, uh, you got to look at Karius, uh, I don't know if it was boredom, if he was... <laughs> it could have been boredom. I, I don't know what it was, but um, it was a little Mignolet-esque to be playing around with the ball in the back and getting closed down like that. And, you know, I I feel, too, that Mignolet at least can get away out of those situations with a little croy for dummy <laughs> in between the legs, whatever which, which it is. I, which, which I don't want to see either. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying I do, but, you know... It, this is your first game in, in however long and you're you're fighting for the number one. Just 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 do your job, clear the ball, be smart, and, and don't put yourself in situations like that. Yeah, agreed. Um it's unfortunate he had a couple couple wobbles there that he's probably gonna be thinking about now going forward, but uh hopefully he cleans it up in the back. Tyler, who do you got this week, bud? So I wish I had a name. I was gonna look it up, but the cleaning lady kicked me out of my office because she's got to do my uh, do my <laughs> office. But I'm gonna say the uh, whoever the current physio is, because finally we're healthy. Wrap these boys in bubble wrap. Do whatever you gotta do. Make them live in the ice baths. Keep this first team healthy, and I think we're we're gonna have a great season. Absolutely. Um, anything negative from this week? Uh. Whoever is negotiating Emery Sean's contract, that kid deserves the money. <laughs> Get him signed up. He is he is the midfield, but you know you see it every day. He he takes a while to warm up, like we were talking about last time. But you know if this weekend's any indication, he's uh, he's starting to heat up and he just gets better once he starts clicking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, for me, it has to be Mane uh, for me on my positive seed index. Every time that kid touches the ball, he just does something special. Anyone Arguably, know the celebration? Was he like strumming a guitar? Was that homage to? No, he was. Player? He was trying. He was trying to. He was trying to. I think he was trying to mimic the one Firmino did against Hoffenheim, but that which no one understood. Because well, it was. I think it was. Wasn't it? It's. Dino. It's an homage to a Ronaldinho. Right, right, right. No, that was the pulling down the pants. This was. This like strumming a guitar is different. I think he was playing for Stevie so he could sing some Mane Mane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it was. He's. He's just absolutely been electric. He's only gotten better. Uh, we were worried when he got the injury against Everton that he was going to lose some of his pace and some of his creativity, but I don't know what they fed him while he was on injury leave, but he's come back and been even more dangerous. So I think he's arguably Liverpool's biggest player right now. Uh, Phil Coutinho, Firmino, I know they've been great, uh, but I think Mane by far and away is our most important player at the moment. And if he continues uh, on this pace, he's going to be up for uh, player of the year awards and, you know, uh, you know, his dream of being the African player of the year, all that, all those awards will happen. I just, I'm, I just love the guy, uh, love watching him play. Um, my negative seed index. It's kind of funny. Nobody this week really mentioned any negative seed indexes about the actual game. <laughs> <laughs> other than the other than the Arsenal team, but well. you know, I, I mean, it's, it's just kind of funny. I noticed everybody's talking about Emery John's contract and the fact that um, you know Karius, uh didn't give a goal up, um, but had a couple of bad passes and bad dribbles. <laughs> That's about the extent of uh, how impressive we were uh, at the weekend. But for me, my seed index, my negative seed index is I really don't have one uh, after. After the Liverpool handled business against Arsenal, uh, we looked great along all positions for the most part. Uh, we seem to be turning a different cheek in the transfer market. Uh, I just, I just, I'm really made up with where this club is at right now and how we're playing on the field. The manager is obviously, you guys know, I have a man crush on it. So 
all in all, there's just a lot to be positive about right now, and there's well, not a lot to be negative about. Should we just end the pod now? I mean, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Carry him off the field, for God's sake. I know. I just, uh, I just, I'm, I'm just made up with where we are. But speaking of uh, all the positivity in the transfer market, I wanted to change gears now that uh, we've gotten through the Arsenal match and talk about uh, what's near and dear to everybody's heart, which is the final three days of the transfer window. It's been. I won't say lackluster because it up until this point we've we've gotten Sala in who looks the business already. He looks like a phenomenal signing and for 35 call it million pounds he looks like an absolute bargain. Uh, there's just nothing else to say about it. He he looks like a phenomenal piece of business. Uh, Robertson looks like a very capable uh, left back. He looked great in his couple of cameos. Um, I think he's going to be a great signing. And for £8 million, again, looks like a absolute steal of a signing. Solanke uh, is is the other big player that we brought in. Uh, not much hair, uh, news about him. Was at, at Chelsea. Didn't really make any impressions at Chelsea. Went to the Under-21 World Cup and basically absolutely tore it apart. Was the player of the, uh, was a player of the tournament. And for if we get him for the report, uh, the reported ten million pounds, he looks an absolute steal again uh, with his potential and upside. So other than that, though, it's you know we haven't had any big top line uh, you know top line signings. We've dabbled around with big players like Keita. Um, you know there were reports on Virgil Van Dyke and uh, you know Oxley Chamberlain, but. Coming into this week, we hadn't really made any big moves or gotten any significant business done. But as our good friend Ali G told me to relax and let the window play out, lo and behold, we wake up this morning to the news breaking that uh, Liverpool have signed Naby Keita. Although Naby is joining us in 2018, uh, it looks to be a shrewd piece of business uh, considering the prices rumored to be uh, about 55 million pounds, uh, where reports were we were going to have to go north of 75 million pounds. So with that news, I'm going to ask uh, Luna to give us his impressions of what the transfer market's been like um, and then a little bit about the Navicator deal. All right. Well, I feel like it's, you know, in our in our group chats, it's been such a hot topic and kind of guys on both sides of the table of, you know, this we signed Keita, if we signed Van Dyke, you know, that we've done our jobs. We were, we're set. We're, we've done more than we should have. Um, and then you got the other half saying, well, no, that's, that's par of, of what, where we should be at. And I agree. You know, I, I'm expecting Van Dyke still. I, I hope we get him in. Um, as far as Keita goes, I love that we signed him. I love that we locked him down. I wish he were coming this season. Uh, but hey, I, you know, something to look forward to. I'm, I'm glad that business is done and, and dealt with. Um, Robertson looks like a great signing. Um, but I, I still think we are, are a couple players short, you know, talks of uh, Lemaire joining us. Am I saying that right? Lamar. Lemaire. Lamar. Let me... it's, all, it's all sound. It's all ball bearings and thirty weight oil. It sounds great <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's talks of there. There's rumors that we're we've made two bids there, which is you know he's he looks a player. So um, exciting on on that front. Uh, the next three days are going to be just constant Twitter updates, news updates, whatever I can. How many times did you hit refresh on Twitter today? <laughs> I mean, if I didn't. If I wasn't required to put my phone away, I, I probably would have had it in my hand all day. So, <laughs> you know, a, a, any chance I went to the bathroom, it was refresh, refresh, refresh. Yeah, so. I, I had today off, and I, I swear to God, I think I broke my mouse hitting refresh on the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if Liverpool, if Klopp, if FSG nail down these next three days, man, kudos to them. Uh, I think they, they'll have proven a lot of people wrong. Uh, but you know, I we we need to see a, a center back. I think we need one more midfielder, and and uh, it'll it'll be a good window for us. Good, not great. So I'll come to Tyler on. <laughs> I'll come to Tyler next. 
our midfielder, our resident midfielder here, Nabi Keita. What do you make of Nabi in the signing? Uh, obviously, it feels like he was the top target all along. It also feels like this is the Phil Coutinho replacement when we let him go in the summer of 2018 to Barcelona. Before we get there, just, <laughs> I, I had been tied up a little bit today, so I admittedly didn't get the refresh as many times as you. Has the club officially announced it yet? You know, I know we have, I guess maybe you wouldn't see Mel Woodlean if he's signing for next season, but I saw it from Melissa Reddy, but nothing from the club officially. Um, I have not seen the official lean, which does, you bring up a great point there. I'm not, I'm not buying it until I see it firsthand. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to get my hopes up. But I, Well, I mean, every, every outlet, every major outlet from Sky to BBC to ESPN, NBC, it, Paul Joyce, Reddy. I trust the whole, Reddy. All those yeah. other ones reported that Coutinho was uh, being sold to Barcelona, what, like months ago at this point, so... I will have to say in every major, but they all picked up the stories from Joycey and, um, and, and whatnot. As long as it's Joycey ready, ready then, then I guess I, uh, I'm i a piece. But I, I do think he's a – I don't – for me, he's not – I think the Lamar fella is a is a better better like for like a better comparison with Coutinho than someone like Keita. You and I have had this discussion before. I think he's more properly a box-to-box where Coutinho is really sort of a, a 10 – your Iniesta rather than a Chavi. And, um, you know, he's a little more creative. And he also, the trouble with replacing someone like Coutinho is he's really two players in one. He can slot into a midfield three and play that because he's gotten a little bit better drilled defensively. He also is a brilliant left winger. You know, he plays there most of the time for us. So when we're out in the market, it's really going to take two quality players to, to fill those shoes unless uh, you find someone that can kind of do both. And so I think the combination of Keita and then someone like Lamar or, you know, another young, fast, exciting winger to sort of help out ease the load off of uh, Salah and Mane out there. Do you think we need another, do you think we need another winger for depth um, this season? So that, that gets into what uh, Luna was saying, you know, would be, would I be happy if we sign another top class winger, if we sign this, this kid from Monaco, you know, he's looked great. Absolutely. I think it'd be awesome. You know, they don't have to play every game. We all know that, both practice and games these guys get run a lot by clock so they're going to wear down as the season goes on it'd be we saw it towards the end of last season injuries pile up that all hammies and uh you know thigh injuries and that type of stuff those those just sort of wear and tear injuries it'd be great to have another uh per, a, a wide player who helps you know keep the width in the field when Salah and Mane uh, inevitably need a game's rest or so knock on wood yeah um, no I but but if we have Coutinho, Coutinho can play that. You know, he's it's gonna he's gonna want to either play in his midfield role. It's gonna be easier to slip Lalana in the midfield for Coutinho than it is to slip somebody out wide who's sort of like square peg round hole. Well, speaking of square peg round hole and and, and getting more depth in the team, uh, where does if Naby isn't coming until the summer of 2018, and let's say we get Lamar in. What else do we need to do in order to make this window and get the depth we need to compete on all fronts this season? Jeff? Well, I think it's the remaining business out there to be done is Van Dyke. And if we can get Lamar, great. But I, I think that's it through the end of the week, barring any for unforeseen surprise. And if you think about that, like those, those two plus – Keita next year plus Coutinho in a right frame of mind, maybe post national team hanging out with Neymar, Neymar advocating for, you probably didn't want to accept that bid from Barcelona. Finally, a lift from that dude. They hang out, you know, Bahia comes back in a better state of mind and puts a performance together worthy of national team honors. He's going to want to participate in world cup next year. I think that's the ideal situation for Liverpool, and I think we're headed towards that. Uh, a lot of the trusted journos, the true in the nose, like Graham Kelly, changed his profile pick to Van Dyke. I think that says <laughs> something about who's coming in and when he'll be announced. I think that's to happen. They were saying medical Tuesday, announcement Wednesday. So I would stay clear on that. So between Keita, Van Dyke, that's super positive. You add all the Slanke, Robertson, Slah. 
it's a nice body of work for this summer and shopping with elite talent. We've talked about it week after week on the pod. It's just a different frame of mind. And I, the league has recognized that the transfer window has stayed open too long. It's going to start at the beginning of the season next year. Thank God. This is far from ideal. And for all the elite talent, the clubs, of course, they wait to the last possible minute. That's trained behavior. And it appears that Klopp is going to get what he wants. And one thing to sit back and reflect on, uh, you remember, everybody remembers all the transfer woes of the Rodgers administration. Think of a Klopp target that has come in that has failed. Like, collaborate that list. I, I think it's a goose egg. Like, his hit rate uh-huh. on, on transfers is extraordinarily high. So I trust that. I trust where we are with signings this week. And if we can get Coutinho in the right frame of mind, I mean, we could challenge for the league. It's that simple. Jeff, that's a great shout there. Um, Klopp has, if he's not batting a thousand on his transfers, he's he's damn near it. So that's a great shout. I, I hadn't even thought about it in that uh, frame of mind. But well, listen, if we can if we can get Thomas Lamar, um, I think we need a winger. I think we're a winger short. Uh, I don't want to see Salah and Mane uh, as our only two options for any blistering pace. Uh, one injury and we become, you know, we're back to one dimensional uh, in that respect. So I think Salah coming in has really opened up Mane and Mane has really opened up Salah because it's, it's kind of like pick your poison. I want to have that speed option in every match and bringing in somebody like Thomas Lamar would give us that option uh, on you know, on, in every match, Uh, I think VVD uh, it's becoming, it feels like it's becoming more and more apparent that this is going to get done. Uh, Like you mentioned, the in the nose have said, all said that, you know, this looks likely like Graham Kelly. Um, I know our very own in the know LEG seems to think this has been done since um, March, (laughs) (laughs) but, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to see. I think we definitely need to upgrade it. At center half, I think that's well documented for months and months, if not seasons uh, upon seasons. I do want to. Th- I do think we need some more cover in the central midfield, though. Which, again, I wanted to get your perspectives on Oxley Chamberlain and uh, Renato Sanchez from Bayern Munich, two rumored uh, targets that would play central midfield roles. Uh, if Coutinho comes back in, our our starting frontline central midfield with Lalana out till December arguably is Chan, Hendo, Milner, Genie, and Coutinho. I think we're one short there if we're going to be playing midweek games from now until Christmas. So Tyler, what do you what's your take on you know adding somebody like a Sanchez or an Ox uh over the next couple of days? So I don't disagree that an extra body would be helpful in the midfield. I'm not sold on either of the players mentioned. You know, Sanchez is a a good young player. Let's see, like 19, maybe 20. Yeah. You know, he hasn't really kicked on over in Germany. I'd rather we have Grujic. You know, he he's a talented. I, forget, mean, I, I know. I, I, know I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I would much rather see him get minutes. Than, uh, than bringing somebody else and, uh, you know, slow down his development. And, you know, Ox, he's, I may, I may eat my words eventually, you know, he, he's still young, he's still got time, but he's just never wildly impressed me enough. To, I think his, the best I've seen him play is when he's been out on the wing. And uh, I, I don't know that he is a natural born center, center mid. Certainly don't think he's going to be a box to box type of guy that we need. And, um, you know, uh, so while there there may be some center mids where I could be convinced, I don't think I don't think we're missing out on too much by not signing either of those two. Got it. All right, um, <clears throat> we're gonna wrap up on the transfer bit here uh, with with a couple of the outgoings. Um, I wanted to get everybody's take on who do you think is going to be leaving over the next couple of days, um, and then the overall grade you would give FSG and Klopp in this window if. We got officially VVD, Lamar, Kaita, plus what's already uh, in the fold. So with that, Luna, I'm going to come over to you. Who do you think is going to be leaving? Uh, And then give me an overall grade with uh, what I just mentioned for FSG and Klopp. Um, 
to be honest, I think the only person that I've even heard rumored of we've received a bid for or even other teams discussing putting a bid in is Sako. Uh, I think it'd be shocking if he's still at the club. I know there's a ton of players that need to go. I mean, you you think of Markovic. I just saw Adam. Yeah, where's where's Markovic been, man? He's on he's like on a on an island by himself. I haven't even heard his name mentioned. Yeah, I I mean he's not in the U23s. He's he's nowhere. Uh, I just saw Adam Bogdan in the in the tunnel during the pregame on on Sunday. I was I didn't even know he was still part of the team. Uh, <laughs> so you know, th- there's a there's a load of players that. We obviously need to get rid of um, eating up our our payroll and and whatnot. But to be honest, I think the only one we really can see leaving is Sako. Uh, I I believe it's West Brom that's rumored to be in for him. Which great, you know, Tony Pulis is a highly defensive side. He'll he'll do well there. And uh, for the long balls and set pieces that Pulis likes to play with, he's perfect for them in that sense. Um, Overall, uh, if we if we get all those signings in, I would give them a B. Uh, again, I, it was par for kind of going into the summer what we were expecting, uh, and if if we have to wait until the final days of the transfer window, uh, I don't know. I, I I feel like as a as a club of our stature, as a club of you know where we're where we're trying to get to we need to get business done early and and stop leaving it to the last minute stop leaving all the fans panicked uh give Klopp the team that he needs to prepare us for for a long season with a lot of games so overall b b jeff what do you got um who's who's some of your outgoings because i think we're going to see probably uh, more than we think, it's going to be more than just Sako. We mentioned Lazar Markovic. I mean, that's a 20 million pound winger that somebody's going to take a punt on. Who else do you see moving <laughs> out? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it, he's just that good. He, you know, at some uh, level, don't, at some level, he's going to get a team. Estonia, um, maybe? Um, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, anyways, who do you see out going? And then what's your overall grade for? Yeah. For I mean, I it, based on the chatter, it's a bit misleading because FSG and under Klopp, we've instituted no talking, very few leaks. That's why you've got maybe a couple in, in the know with contacts still in that will leak. But you don't have the massive leaks that you remember from the Rogers administration. So it's really tough to know who's, in fact, going out the door. But I would love to see, you know, of course, Lazar to laser his way back to where he came from. Uh, but I, I just don't see the interest, the chatter to your point uh, Sacco for sure going out and the grades for me, if FSG were to hit all three targets through this final final week, that means Lamar, that means Van Dyke. And also if we remain firm on Coutinho, that's an A for me. Uh, it's a B if we hit two of the three uh, with Keita and Van Dyke and you keep Coutinho and it's a C or worse if we lose Coutinho and uh, even if we were to get Kate to next year, we're going to get Kate to next year and, and Van Dyke this week, you lose Coutinho, you have no one else coming in to support backfill, that, that's a C or worse. So I think FSG is going to finish with A. Uh, I think they're going to hit two, if not three targets this week. And with the outgoing with Sacco, I don't expect any agreement with Coutinho with Barcelona. And that'll be a good transfer window for me. All this positivity. Well, uh, Tyler, how positive are you? What are your outgoings and then how do you think FSG is going to finish? You know my feelings on this, but if, and it's a very large if, they can keep Coutinho, sign Lamar or a, you know, similar stature, uh, you know, young, exciting winger, you know, someone who can play on the wing, someone who can fill in as a center attacking mid, something like that. And then most, very most importantly, sign Van Dyke. Um, I'm going to give him an A minus. I think it, I can't give him less than an A minus because when you compare what happened this window and the money that's being spent, it's uh, leaps and bounds ahead of anything else we've seen the club do in recent history. You know, just just that development, the type of caliber players we're going after and signing, would be you know monumental change. It, it would be great for the uh, the future of the club. The reason I'll ding him a little bit is because of 
just the shenanigans that have happened this year. I agree. Leaving it late on all these deals is, you know, kind of par for the course. It happens all the time. But the way it's been done, you know, leaking stories and then apologizing for the VVD pursuit. And, you know, it's just it was just very um, a little embarrassing the way the way the club went about it. And it would have been great. We understand that all these deals can be wrapped up in a nice little bow, you know, the first week of transfer season. But um, I think this might have been some some learning curves for both uh, a learning curve for both Klopp and the club. You know, it's a new market we're in with these uh, these type of players that we're trying to sign. And like, uh, you know, one of the, the good articles that went up recently talking about uh, Painter, I believe you uh, you wrote this one about how the transfer market's just gone completely crazy. This new, the inflated prices for these players, they, it, the jump this year is like nothing we've ever seen before. And it's sparked partly by Neymar going to PSG and also increased revenues and profits in the different leagues you know no one really knows what the market is anymore you're kind of making up prices and just saying you know it's like chucking spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks <laughs> well thanks for the thanks for the plug on the article and uh much appreciated there and i agree with you i think the the transfer market in general is just completely all over the show um you get somebody like sala for 35 million and then somebody like lamar who I would argue is very similar to Salah um, in a lot of respects in terms of output and whatnot, uh, coming from uh, you know the Italian league versus the the French league, you know going for seventy million plus, it's just insane. It's there is no rhyme or reason to it right now with how much money and, and how desperate these clubs are. But if we get Naby Keita completed, which it sounds like it's done, I still want to see the lean to uh, to Tyler's point. Uh, VVD Lamar. Uh, and then we get rid of Origi potentially uh, in the Lamar deal that's supposedly being rumored around Sako, Markovic. Uh, you got to say that FSG executed across all of Klopp's targets, uh, top targets. You got to give Klopp credit for identifying and sticking with it um, and for the club to you know execute and get them done. So for me, it would be definitely an A uh, if that were to happen. Obviously, there's still a lot of lot left to do, um, but it would definitely be an A for me, and it's a very exciting times. Um, speaking of exciting times, we're gonna we're gonna stop it right there, um, and we're gonna transition uh, out of this week's pod. Um, I want to thank Tyler, uh, Luna, and Jeff for jumping on with us today, uh, talking a little bit about Arsenal uh, and a lot about the transfer market. Where can we find you guys out on uh, out on the web? So, Tyler, where are you at? Throw, throw Brian Payne through a follow. I'm not accessing <laughs> that. <laughs> hey, he's Mr. Incognito, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Luna, where can we get to, get at you at, bud? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Steven underscore Luna. And Jeff? Jeff underscore Hallett. Two L's, two T's on the Twitter. On the Twitter. And this this is Brian underscore Painter. Uh, and I'm out there on Twitter as well. And you can find... Uh, the Talk On podcast at Talk On FP and the Football Purists at Football Purists um, on Twitter. Uh, and we're out there every day. Uh, come check us out. Remember to download our new channel on iTunes at Football Purists um, Talk On. Uh, we're out there on iTunes now on our own individual channel. Well, with that, gentlemen, uh, it's been a great, great week. Uh, couldn't have been a better week, in my opinion. Champions League qualification, mind you, um, at Hoffenheim midweek. Arsenal hammering 4-0. And now Nabi Kaita is a red. Talk on. Talk on, Panner. Talk on. Talk on. Talk on. Talk on. Talk on. Talk on.